You are listening to Down Home. Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience from two black men. I'm Derek Wise, and on behalf of Jay Jones, thank you for tuning in. The recent George Floyd trial in the States and the killing of Dante Wright, another unarmed black man in Minnesota, has caused me and Jay to pause and take stock of what we have discussed and learned over the last 10 months of developing the Down Home podcast. Join us as we talk about what caught our attention over the last 12 episodes of Down Home. Hey everybody, welcome to an episode of Down Home. But this one is a particular special one because we're kind of doing a little recap of some of the episodes that we've recorded so far and what Dee and I have learned along the way. Uh, it's It's been a cool journey. And I, needless to say, we're at a, another flashpoint where, you know, just last week or a couple of weeks ago, there was another black man who got shot in the States, Dante Wright. And prior to, that's why we started this kind of podcast because of the George Floyd uh, stuff that happened last summer and it kind of was a flashpoint so we wanted to open up this conversation but it led to deeper things like it did lead to deeper conversations and looking back we have been very surprised about how candid our conversations have been with our guests this started right off the bat in episode two with our friend kevin yard when he talked about first learning about the events of africville uh, what struck me was the fact that he was like so saddened that that was a part of Canadian history, Black Canadian history, that he didn't know. Uh, so one of the interesting things for me, um, both during the trip and even now, four years later, is how I, how disconnected I was from the Black experience in Canada, mm-hmm. right? And when you mm-hmm. talk about systemic racism, you know, an, another one of the manifestations is education and what you learn and what is your history. Um, so didn't really know about the Black loyalists, the Maroons who settled uh, in Jamaica and then traveled to Sierra Leone because of um, the circumstances and the environment that they faced uh, once in Nova Scotia. I didn't know about Africville. Uh, so there's this sadness that comes, right? There's a sadness about this is this is this is Canadian history, not just uh, the African Canadian experience, but this is Canadian mm-hmm. history that, that we weren't taught. Yeah, um, and and so there's a sadness uh, about that, so, and that sort of just sort of maybe go. My goodness, so many things are so much deeper, deeper like the systems that like the curriculum that we have in education. We don't know this stuff, and then you know to have a grown man, you know, in his forties going. I'm sad because I didn't know that. Um, that sort of brought up kind of feelings for me. So going through these, you know, learning and, and interviewing these people, it just, you just sort of start to tap in on something different and it makes you feel a little bit different, you know? Yeah. Uh, that episode was uh, quite um, enlightening. Uh, you know, we knew, we knew, uh, or we know, I should say, we know Kevin on a personal basis, but to, yeah. to have him come on to the podcast and talk in this, in that uh, capacity, um, on his professional capacity, he's, he was well, he was well versed and, and quite knowledgeable about uh, the, the system. 
and mm-hmm. his take on it was uh was quite enlightening definitely yeah for sure for sure um and uh and then we had an episode called back in the day with uh lindsey sharp an old high school friend um he happened to be you know growing up in the north end of halifax as a as a white person so he kind of brought a unique perspective Jay is referring to episode 9, which was our conversation with old high school friend Lindsay Sharp. Lindsay made the good point during this episode that we as Canadians get caught up in the reporting of racialized violence down the States when the same type of violence happens here in Canada. I get caught up in myself is like sort of like the the media sensation of the race in America because it gets so broadcasted so much. Sometimes you forget about, you know, Canada and the way that it it is, you know what I mean? So he brought up s- sort of a, a good point about that. And yeah, I mean, so here we sit and going, you know, geez, look at them down there and they can't, you know, this is ridiculous. How could they behave these ways and all like the, all the kind of higher than now stuff that I find we do sometimes in Canada, you know, because we were the other side of the Underground Railroad as if then there was no slavery in Canada, which is a myth entirely, of course. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But then this happens and and the reaction for so many people I found wasn't as equal to how offended they were by what had been happening and obviously continues to happen every minute of every day in the States. Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, no, this is the same exact set of systems that lead to a certain group of people being allowed to be treated that way without any help or assistance protection from the state. Right. Which is appalling to me. Yeah. And just sort of makes you look at, you know, what's going on in Canada because there is a lot. This podcast has been a great, tool to sort of just at least have these conversations and get things off your chest what we learn from other people what we see and what we feel Lindsay had a, a few pertinent points like uh when he did talk about not necessarily defunding uh police but reallocation of resources he uh he made some really pertinent points and, and it, it stretches from Halifax all the way up to here to Toronto and uh one point that my wife has has uh, made is that uh, here in Toronto, uh, the mounted police have a budget of $5 million. These, these are funds that could be reallocated elsewhere. Uh, you know, the, the mounted police in Toronto don't actually serve a, a vital function, in my opinion. So yeah, man. to reallocate those funds to possibly having a part of the force that is there to to, who's who's uh, trained in de-escalation of certain situations? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, actually, Lindsay, Lindsay's actual quote was, uh, "You can't have cops with uh, uh, guns acting as agents uh, for mental health." And then there was the great episode with uh, Tony Smith, sort of spearhead leader behind uh, Voices and uh, the issues that were going on with the Nova Scotia Colored Home for Children from being inspired from a situation in the home sort of years later to put him in the position to sort of look at what had happened there. Tony's unique perspective was too important to miss any details. So our conversation with Tony Smith happened over two episodes, both 11 and 12. Here's Tony talking about the restorative approach to the Nova Scotia Home for Colored Children inquiry. 
continue with the pathways that we have in place. Mm -hmm. And we also wanted to have uh, uh, an organization that is separate from government in that sense. So, um, and to keep the process of what we adopted to this um, in place moving forward. Uh, I think one of the most um, powerful speeches of the, the previous premier, Steve McNeil, was in our closing ceremony and he talks mm -hmm. about this process right. and that it should be used um, everywhere in all departments. And as I mentioned, Derek, earlier that uh, this same process, when the United Nations came to study across Canada about racism, they said racism is worse in Nova Scotia. But the good thing about Nova Scotia, they had the restorative inquiry because not only is that process good for Nova Scotia, it's good for all across Canada. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, a, it's a way of not naming blame and shaming. I mean, if you're constantly pointing the finger at somebody about the wrongs they did, well, they don't want to speak to you. Yeah, exactly. If it's like, okay, let's learn from these experiences, because sometimes policies are in place not to intend to hurt people, but if you don't know it <laughs> and nobody tells you kind of stuff, mm -hmm. well, then you're going to continue thinking that you're not doing harm. Yeah. And uh, so it was good to hear their take and how they want to, they have a restorative initiative to sort of open the doors to talk with the government uh, officials. Um, uh, and the restorative initiative is not, uh, not about placing blame. It's about accepting what happened and seeing what you, you can do going forward, not to have anyone hurt. And I just thought that was uh, a really good take and a really inspiring and a very, very, very eye-opening episode because that's a part of Nova Scotia history that isn't really well known. Yeah, you know? True, true. And um, that framework of, uh, of the restorative process is, it's an idea that's been kicked around for, for quite some time, but I think this is one of the first times that uh, you actually saw it implemented on a wide scale and, and in, a, in a pertinent scale, an important scale. Yeah. Yeah. with uh with the home for colored children so to actually have that the that inquiry spearheaded by the uh civilians that yeah. was that was unique um because as tony had had stated that uh usually these inquiries are run by retired judges right yeah. um and you know for them to to voices the members of voices to actually spearhead the inquiry in to run the inquiry in the uh, restorative uh, framework mm -hmm. actually opened doors for them and it uh it opened doors and it and it um resolved the inquiry in a in a a timely manner mm -hmm. and it resolved the inquiry in a lot cheaper fashion as as tony stated they had money left over which is unusual for these inquiries yeah for sure because so they it, usually go on yeah so it was it was effective it was effective yeah. it was eye-opening and i'm glad tony actually stopped off and uh and and shared a story with us it was uh it was one of i think actually that was probably one of our our most important episodes yeah i i totally agree yeah, there's been so many great moments um, just to sort of look at and also just to celebrate the Nova Scotia as a whole, because like when we started this off, it was just like, how can we sort of also celebrate the resilience and the strength that we come from? And, you know, even us talking about sort of how our church, all the members of the congregation, a lot of them were sort of sort of black iconic figures that sort of were really in the trenches fighting for 
a good strong black community mm-hmm. which which was which was really cool and we we were able to post some of those on our instagram account yeah the um uh, one of the episodes that kind of comes to mind right off the bat was the episode with our mothers mm-hmm. um which was a great episode to actually tape and, and a lot of people have uh given feedback and said hey this is one of our favorite episodes but the episode I'm referring to is episode four. We had a few audio issues with this one, but the conversation still turned out great. In this clip from the episode, my mother talks about protesting the events of Africville. Um, during the 60s and 70s, we had in Nova Scotia the dismantling of Africville. And during that time it was of course very upsetting for everyone i can't imagine what it was like to live through that and live in the community of africville and seeing it destroyed um, right under your feet Uh, but it certainly did start um, the whole notion of we have to do something about it and so there were demonstrations and there were sit-ins and i can remember distinctly that Um, I called my mother one day from school. Um, They actually had pay phones at the school. And I called her and said that we had to go down to City Hall and sit in. And for anyone who remembers my mother, she was a very conservative, small C conservative (laughs) person. But she met me down there Mm -hmm. um, and joined the protest. And so, you know, there was that protest. There was even back in that day, and I'm sure, Stacy, you remember some of this as well. There was rumor and um, incidents of police cruelty. And so we demonstrated against that. Right. Uh, and my grandmother actually joined her at City Hall for the protest. That I found that surprising considering, you know, that, you know, Edith Chandler was a conservative woman, uh, a deaconess in the church for her to actually sit in on this protest. That was, that was sort of amazing. Yeah. And your, your mom also had ties to Walter Borden. Yeah. Um, uh, Him talking about the Kawacha house was really kind of a cool thing to hear and how uh, Stokely Carmichael came here um, from the Black Panthers and just sort of talking about those times and um and also sort of patty jones who was rocky jones's uh son him mentioning that what his father was involved with and and he also said something in 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 his interview something like that the people here were just as afraid as they were kind of in america at the time so can only imagine what it might have been like at that time, but it was good to hear Walter Borden's perspective from it all. The interview with Walter was great. He again, really happy that he shared his time with us. The, one of the points in his uh, interview that kind of struck me was the actual trip that they took the kids from Kowacha house on. And there was yeah. a, a presentation by civil rights leaders at the time. We went one year to uh, a huge conference in Kitchener-Waterloo. And that was the first time that we took them as a group, a group of them, and put them in the midst of 
people like Saul Alinsky and uh, uh, that type. Mm -hmm. And watch them perform. Now, we had told them, instructed them that, number one, when you don't understand something, make no difference who's saying it, you tell them that you don't understand what they're saying. So would they please take it and put it into some form that they got, you could understand. If you're gonna be talking to me, at least talk to me so that I can understand. This is what they, and so now uh, here they are in, in, in the midst of these people. These were the top, you know, uh, uh, activists of, what, of, of the day, you know? Timothy mm -hmm. Leary, uh, Saul Alinsky, you know, these people. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first opening session and uh, they were, uh, the people, the organizers were laying out this agenda because uh, this would be a week long thing. And uh, this was going to take place here. And, da, 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 and they were speaking in all this language that yeah, we understood because we had to deal with it all the time. They didn't. Now was the great test. Were they going to say anything? Well, indeed they did. <laughs> they put up their hands to one and says, you know, I don't know what the F you're talking about. So <laughs> and the people just like, well, what they did was they adjourned the meeting and went back and redid their scheduling. Right. It was that kind of thing. These 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 young people they had reached that stage you see and you know walter and the the leaders of kawacha house actually empowered the kids to question and, and ask questions during that presentation which mm -hmm. uh you know we were talking that was unusual for the time you know the my our, our parents generation they were taught to be seen and not heard so yeah, for true. them to actually raise their hands and and question uh and, and actually ask questions and say, hey, we need this information. That was unusual for the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It was really good. Um, so overall, like what, what, what are some of the things that you've learned and, and how have certain things made you feel by interviewing these people uh, about issues from the past or just talking about Nova Scotia you, into what's going on today? Like, have, has, have you had any kind of transformative moments like in the way you see things now uh it's 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 definitely lended itself to a bit more clarity i guess um i've it's made it clear that i uh me personally i cannot stand by the the side anymore and say oh that's that's horrible mm -hmm. like um we need to speak up. We need to lend our voice to this, uh, these situations, uh, you know, from last year from George Floyd and then all the way through to Dante Wright uh, recently. Uh, mm -hmm. That's kind of um, illustrated the fact that things haven't changed, mm -hmm. even though there's been a lot of um, bluster and noise over the last year recent things that have happened there was the the hell of the video of the cop in halifax yeah man you know this has happened recently uh, about a month ago you know this, yeah. this 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 police officer who is uh 
got has his gun drawn and is screaming obscenities at some person over a traffic stop mm-hmm. that, that again lends itself to illustrating that you know things are pretty bad and yeah. this is in canada we we cannot we no longer can say oh you know look how bad it is down the states these are things that are happening in canada mm-hmm. you know whether yeah. whether our media covers it or not these are things that are happening here in canada um, mm-hmm. you know and then you've talked about it before from you know we reach back into the past of toronto and look at sammy yatim yeah you know, and then we yeah. come up to recent history to Clive Mensa. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. two two young men that have lost their lives, and these are years in between. Yeah, uh, cop yeah. involvement. You know, and no, nobody talks about Clive Mensa because no there's no vi- there's no video. No, <laughs> not much coverage on that. Yeah, there's know? no coverage. Is there's no video of it, right? Yeah. Why yeah. was there so much uh, coverage on Sammy Yatim? Because there was like five different videos of it, right? Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, no one's talking about Clive Mensa, this poor gentleman that uh, lost his life after, you know, suffering some sort of uh, break mm-hmm. in his own backyard. Yeah. And after, uh, you know, an interaction with cl- police officers that lasted all of two minutes. Mm-hmm. And he loses his life. So, you know, th- yeah. all this is just kind of illustrating that uh, things are not great, and and we yeah. have to talk about it, and we have to lend our voice to this, and 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 point out and illustrate that, hey, things are things are just as bad here in Canada. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, <laughs> it's. Um, I've been thinking about it in the sense of it's like everything's so ingrained it's almost like as if we expect it to be the way it is sometimes you know and um you know these systems that are in place that have been going against people of color indigenous people poor people um you know these aren't these are the things that people really don't look at having these conversations it it opens the door for generations to come to maybe just look at things differently because it's all here it's you know we can't avoid it it's it's been going on for years and you can't be quiet because you know people are dying people are fear for their life even um i haven't had really any altercations with police officers or anything like that maybe when i was younger being in the proximity of it seeing the way things can go down even now you kind of fear for you that something might happen if something does happen you know what i mean it's well, in the back of your mind yeah that's as um as black men we have to be cognizant of the way that we present ourselves mm-hmm. we have to be cognizant of the way that we interact with others uh yeah. it, because you know even the simple things of you know, pre-COVID, getting on an elevator with uh, a white person who's alone. Mm-hmm. You know how how do we how do we present ourselves in that situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, as black men, we have to be cognizant of it. That's just the that's the fact of the matter. In meetings in uh, in my workplace, how yeah. do I present myself? Mm-hmm. You know, why is that person saying that particular thing to me? Is it because of my race or are they just 
disregarding me for some other reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, these are these yeah. are things that uh we have we have to be cognizant of. Just uh I think the lens has changed a little bit. Mm. You know, we as as a lot of our guests have said, uh the the racism that we face in Canada is very subtle. Yeah. For the most part. Mm -hmm. Knowing that in walking through our lives as a black man, it's always there, right? Indeed. We all deal with it differently as black differently. Canadians, as black yeah. Canadians, right? Because it's, sure. it's not right in our face. Yeah. So how do you even know, you know, because yeah. you're not, you're not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the whole journey of doing the podcast with you, a lifelong friend and uh, being able to have these conversations and just sort of all the beginning too, leading up to this was quite a, a good journey as far as friendship goes and the way we see things in and the way we have seen things growing up like uh you know a lot of things in the past year have got triggered for me as far as my race goes and I never really thought about it because it was always about it's always about survival with black people to just try and do what they can. I mean, we come from a long history of it. Like our families were very important and they try to instill strength and community uh, above all and, you know, love and, nur and, and nurturing. But that didn't prepare us for what we were about to see in the outside world. But uh, with that being said, you, you learn to adapt to the situation. I think it was Corey who said, uh, it works in different levels, which I think you mentioned before, you know, He's, there yeah. are levels, the onion levels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That... <laughs> so talking but... about interaction and perspective, we really uh, would like our, our listeners to, to reach out and comment, you know, whether it be on our Facebook page, which is at 902 down home. You know, if you're on Facebook, you can you can interact with with us there, or our Instagram page, which is uh, Down Home Nova Scotia, mm -hmm. all one word, or even send us an old-fashioned email, Down Home NS <laughs> at gmail.com. So uh, you know, reach out to us. We want to hear uh, everyone's perspective, uh, whether it be. Uh, praising us for what us with our work or telling us that we're off track <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. any, any type of feedback is welcome or even you know if you if you if you actually look at our our youtube videos instead you know comment mm -hmm. comment uh and tell us you know we should interview this person or you should reach out to that that person uh yeah. whoever wants to uh add their voice and, and tell us about their Nova Scotian experience, whether it be through the comments or if you if you say, hey, this person would be a great person to interview. We're, yeah. wel we're welcome for uh, any type of feedback. Join in the conversation if you want. You know, yeah. I'm, D just said it all, so boom, bap, there you have it. Um, <laughs> but but first of all, second of all, and third of all, thanks to everyone who did who have tuned in and listened and 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 have given us feedback. It means a lot. It's it's actually pretty cool as Derek and I are in touch all the time. So, you know, um, in these crazy times, it's good to still have an outlet. That's why um, it's that much more important that 
people have these conversations and not to ramble but uh all right well just join, take us out jay jones take us out. i, take I us think out, i man. just did i think i just did <laughs> you have been listening to down home subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts the song Breaking New Ground from the Breakdown. On a high plateau, from the one down below to the future of the funk, getting lost in the flow. Contact with the spot.